I praise the Lord that he has helped us uh, in, con in doing this study from Galatians, which is such an extraordinary book. And uh, we were studying this Galatians in CNC College and Careers last year. And it has been such a privilege in uh, going into in-depth study into Galatians. And we are doing the same on uh, Tuesdays over here. So I would like to share with you if this works. I need a pointer. Okay, perfect. So what have we seen till now? So we have seen that there is a group uh, of false teachers uh, among the area of Galatia, which we call it Judaizers, who are preaching the false gospel in the in these churches, and they are discrediting the apostleship of Paul. That's the first thing. Second thing, what what did we see? Paul establishes his apostle apostleship as he attained directly from Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't a second-hand gospel. It wasn't a second-hand apostleship, but directly from Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's defense shows the seriousness in the threats this false gospels impose. He is very serious about it. We can understand from chapter 1 when he says that if anyone who preaches your gives you another gospel than the one that was preached to you earlier or at the first time by him, then those people be accursed, even if, even if they are angels, then they may, they may be accursed. So he is very serious about it. And we can understand the seriousness of the threats that lie uh, on accepting the false gospel. And the fourth thing that we, that we saw last Tuesday was the Paul's defense that he starts the defense of the gospel. He starts the main body of the whole epistle uh, chap from chapter 3, which is the de defense of the gospel that he preached. And he starts first by uh, showing the Galatians their own experience, uh, which was carried out by the work of the triune, go triune God in their lives, which we, sh which we saw in verses 1 to 5, the work of the Christ on the cross, which was portrayed before him, the work of the spirit which they received and they and and the continuance of the work of the spirit in their lives and the work of the father from whom they received the spirit and the miracle that was done and in the form of the righteousness that they had re received in front of god because of their faith so that was the first thing that the defense that he gives and the second uh, he is defending through the old testament scriptures from verse 6 onwards and uh, he continues to give different passages and uh, references from Old Testament uh, till the end of chapter 4 uh, to defend the gospel uh, that the gospel that was preached earlier that you are justified or counted as righteous in the sight of the God it is only through faith and faith alone so let us move on to our scripture for today and let us read the passage Galatians chapter 3 from verses 10 to 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us 
from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So in this passage, we see two types of uh, curses. The first one is the divine curse on all men or everyone. In verse 10, he says, cursed be everyone. So first thing we see is a divine curse on all men. And the second thing we see is the divine curse on one man. And that's how I have broken it down and uh, we'll see accordingly. Divine curse on all men. So he starts by contrasting uh, two groups of people. Uh, if, we, if we remember the previous verses, verses 7 to 9, he talked about a certain group of people which, was, which he called as those who are of faith. And from verse 10, he starts by showing a separate another group, group of people which is contrasting in nature. And he calls them those who rely on the works of the law. So those who are of faith, and those who rely on the works of the law. Now, who are these people of the second group, which are those who rely on the works of the law? And he says that uh, by quoting an, a, a passage or a reference from the Old Testament. What is that? What is it? it? He is showing a reference, which is from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. And he is saying that, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So he's saying that cursed be everyone. So this group counts everyone. Why does it count everyone? Because everyone has been fallen short of the glory of God, right? We can relate it to Romans chapter three, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one has on his own strength been able to keep the law and able to justify or attain justification in the sight of the sight of the living God. And that's why everyone is cursed. Now, what, what does it mean to be cursed when he says over here or in the Bible in general, in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament? What does it mean when the Bible speaks about uh, curse? So we can understand that curse is something that is opposite to blessing, right? So and we can understand what blessing is when something good comes and when uh, we are prospered or Lord uh, is with us. Uh, but what exactly is to be cursed? According to Bible, it means to be assigned to harm or suffering, destruction or damnation. So this is mostly depicted in the different instances or stories of the Bible. And also when uh, talking about the Israelites, when the Lord tells them that if you don't follow the law, or if you don't keep the commandments, if you don't obey, then you will be cursed. But if you keep the commands, then you will be blessed, not even you, but your gen uh, children's children, and it will go on to 10 generations and 1000 generations and so on. So we can see that there is a curse on everyone. And this curse is a damnable curse. It is not a curse that is uh, given by a man. Uh, it is not a curse that is given by a Satan. But this is a curse that is given by God himself and it covers each and every one. This curse is from God. Matthew 10, 28 says that do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him 
who can destroy both soul and body in hell right father is the one who can curse and he can destroy both soul and body in hell and why does he curse because all have fallen short of the glory of god the curse includes everyone so let us see more about this curse let us turn to romans chapter 1 i want to read now a few scripture from romans turn turn with me to romans chapter 1 and from verse 18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about god is plain to them because god has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse so over here we see this group of people that that are mostly that, uh, that they are non jewish or non uh, with like outside of the covenant and they, and paul is talking about that they are without excuse because the power of god and the evidence of god is is seen in his crea- creation and that's why they are without excuse and uh, from verses in verses 24 26 and 28 he's he's saying that because they have not uh, accepted the lord or because they have not been uh, serious about it and because they have only followed ungodliness and unrighteousness god has given them up to the lust of their hearts god has given them up to the dishonorable passions he has given them up to a debased mind why because all the evidence was there in the creation all the evidence that was possible to be seen that a god exist is completely evident but the children of man or mankind has failed to see that evidence or has failed to acknowledge that there is one and only one god and that's why they have been given up romans 2:12 says for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and all who have sinned under the law will will be judged under the law or will be judged by the law won't be reading romans 2:17 to 24 but it talks about the jews that jews are also not excused who are of the covenant and some more verses from chapter 3 verse from verse 9 onwards i would like to read romans chapter 3 from verse 9 what then are we jews any better off no not at all for we have already charged that all both jews and greeks are under sin as it is written none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one their throat is an open grave they use their tongues to deceive the venom of asps is under their lips their mouth is full of curses and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known there is no fear of god before their eyes now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to god 
for by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin but now the righteousness of god has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and are justified by his grace as a gift through the through the redemption by faith till there so over here we 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 can completely understand that no one is excused why because nobody is righteous in the sight of god he is such a holy god he is such a majestic god he is such a righteous god that no one has been found worthy to be justified in the sight of the living god everyone have turned aside to their worthless deeds everyone have turned aside and they have sinned against the lord and we we also know that the soul that sinneth shall die and nobody has been able to keep the standard before the living god so it is very important to uh, first of all recognize coming back to our portion in galatians it is very important to recognize that everyone is cursed so everyone including me and including you are cursed if i fail to recognize that i am cursed or i am part of this group then i will never be able to acknowledge the good news that comes after it the gospel should always begin with the bad news only if we know the bad news then only we will be able to know or appreciate what the good news is the god is not having fun cursing everyone the lord doesn't want to the, the, the lord doesn't take any enjoyment in cursing everyone right we know ezekiel 33:11 he says that i have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but god is holy and righteous and demands justice and so the curse has been laid on everyone nobody is able to fulfill the righteous standard before the living god lord jesus says in a in the sermon on the mount that be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect no one can be that perfect right how can we be perfect that perfect it is it is only through the work of the lord jesus christ and that's what the paul is emphasizing over here that everyone has fallen short of that everyone has fallen short of the glory and everyone have sinned no one can fulfill the law why no one can fulfill the law because james 2:11 says for whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become guilty of it so if you want to be justified through law then follow it but follow it each and every time without failing but if you fail once then you are guilty for all of it so that that's the standard if you want to be justified by the law and nobody ever existed except lord jesus christ who fulfilled the law he he said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets and nobody except him fulfilled the law in flesh on earth so that's the standard that we know that if one wants to be justified in the sight of the father or god through the works of the law and that's why he moves on to verse 11 and he says that it is evident that no one is justified before god by the law because it is impossible to be justified if you want to be justified then you have to keep the law all of it every time and which is not possible and that's why he 
quotes different and that's why he starts in verse 6 of chapter 3 by quoting the example of Abraham that Abraham was justified in the sight of the Lord by faith why does he do that he wants to show that if you go as far back as possible in Old Testament then the earliest of the person from for with whom the covenant was made which was Abraham the father of Israelites even he was justified by faith not on the base of his own works and again quoting another Old Testament scripture from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 he says that the righteous shall live by faith the righteous are justified by faith and that's why they shall live and so he says the law is not of faith in verse 12 we can we can see that the uh, that that the law or the works and the faith are mutually exclusive over here when we talk about the salvation or redemption of mankind we cannot mix or add the works or the law to faith for the redemption or for the salvation they are mutually exclusive we have heard that faith and works go together but when we talk about the salvation of man when we talk about his standing in front of God when we talk about his justification his righteousness in front of God then they are mutually exclusive they can never go together that's what he says is verse 12 but the law is not of faith they are mutually exclusive but good works are important why because good works are the evidence of salvation that you are really saved they are not the means by that by they are not the means through which you are saved but they are the evidence or the proof that you are in fact saved so if i see a person who is not doing good works or is not uh, obeying the commandments of the lord and is professing as a christian then i would highly doubt if he's a christian at all but if he is saying that he is doing the good works to attain a good standing in, in, in the sight of the living God, then he is severely mistaken and is fallen into the same trap that the Galatians fall, fell uh, through the doctrine preached by the Judaizers. Good works are only the evidence of salvation, not the means of it. And he says that the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So what does he mean by that? He is again citing from uh, Old Testament, Leviticus 18.5, and uh, where Moses is uh, coming up from uh, with the word of the Lord, and he's saying it to the Israelites. And we see Paul is using this uh, in Romans chapter 10 as well. Let us turn to Romans chapter five, uh, 10 to understand what he exactly means, and he brings this reference from Old Testament over here Romans chapter 10 verses 5 from verse 5 for Moses writes about righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does does the commandments shall live by them but the righteousness based on faith says and I would like to read from verse 9 that if you confess your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with your heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved 
So over here we again see Paul using the same sentence that if you that those who does them shall live by uh, that those who does them shall live by them, which means that if you want to be justified, then you have to do all of it. But since you, since nobody can do all of it, he says that the righteousness verse six, the righteousness based on faith has been revealed. And what what does it say? That anyone who believes, anyone who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes that God raised him will be saved. And that's how he contrasts again that you cannot be saved by doing the works of the law. If you try to be justified in the sight of God by doing the works of the law, then you will definitely fail. Why? Because you have to do it all the time. Hence, it is impossible to live by the law because the law demands to be followed all of it, all of the time. And no one can achieve it and no one can do it. So then, how can a person be saved? So, is there any way that a person can be saved? How can a person be set right with God? And how can, a, how can God declare a person just? Nahum 1.3 says that the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. We saw up until now that everyone is cursed. No one has been left or no one has have been uh, uh, accepted from that. All of them who are within the law and those who are without the law, each and everyone are under the curse. All of them have fallen short of the glory of God. And if Lord, if God is really holy and righteous God, then he will fulfill his uh, character and he can by no means clear the guilty. We are guilty. We are guilty of damnation. We are guilty of eternal punishment because we have fallen short, because we are cursed, because we have not been able to fulfill the whole law or we have not been able to live uh, or attain the righteousness that God demands. We, have we are born in sin and uh, we have been conceived in sin just as David says in uh, Psalm 51. So the Lord can by no means or will by no means clear the guilty. So how, how, does, how, how can we be saved then at the end? So that's where we move on to the second part, the divine curse on one man. To Christ Jesus our Lord, he becomes a curse for us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Again, he shows a reference from the Old Testament from Deuteronomy 21-23. Uh, he's showing an image over here. In ancient Jewish, Jewish custom, if you sinned or transgressed against the commandment of the Lord, against the law, then you would be stoned to death uh, because every sin uh, demanded a capital punishment. If you transgress, then you, you would be stoned to death. And after, after you are dead, the body would be hanged on a tree or the cause would be, would be hanged on a tree to show that the person or the or this man has been cursed by God and that's why this he, ha he has died because of his sin. And that's the same picture that Paul is using for showing that Christ became a curse for us. He hanged on a tree, he hanged on the cross, taking the curse that we should 
we should take or we would have it was our portion it was not the portion of christ for our sake he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin he was the sinless one he was the most perfect the son of god he was he had the complete god head on him of the same essence of god the father he became a sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is that is in christ jesus through the propitiation of his blood he gave a substitutionary sacrifice so that we should not be sacrificed so that we might not be counted as guilty of course we are guilty but he took up, took upon took upon himself our guilt and the punishment that was ours he took he took upon himself this is the good news right and this is the gospel so if we if we hear the gospel that starts with a good news directly or if we hear that god wants to bless you god wants to prosper you and god wants to keep you and uphold you and uh, fulfill all your desires but if we never hear the bad news then we can never understand how much the lord has done for us and that would even be a false gospel in the first place we can only appreciate the gospel or the good news if we hear the bad news first we are cursed that's what we need to acknowledge first and the second thing was that god himself made the plan god himself fulfilled the plan of salvation it was not any of our own doing lord knew that we are incapable of being saved on our own or by our own efforts we would be damned if we are left on our own so god intervened god intervened so and planned so to give up his own one and only unique son right john 3:16 god gave up his one and only unique son jesus laid down his life for us so that we might not be filled with curse but receive his blessing isaiah 53:5 and 6 says that he was pierced for our transgression he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all father laid on him the curse of us all he laid on him the iniquity of us all he was infinite god and only he could have paid that price the infinite price that nobody else could have paid he lived a sinless life he fulfilled the law in his life on earth and he died for us and gave the same life to all those who believed in him christ jesus became the curse for everyone who believes he became the curse even for the gentiles not only the jews but also for the gentiles now it is not reserved only for the jews but anyone anyone who be- believes in him trust in him to be saved they will be saved and what is this blessing that he is talking about over here so that in in verse 14 so that in christ jesus the blessing of abraham might come to the gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through the faith right one of the blessings already in the verse and i think i 
I spoke a little bit about this blessing last time as well. The first blessing is that he counts, God counts those who have faith in him righteous, counted righteous before God through faith. And the second blessing is he gives the spirit of his son, he gives the Holy Spirit through faith. So why does God want to save me? Why does God want to save us? Why? What is the purpose behind all this work of salvation? Ephesians 1, 6, 12 and 14 says, for the praise of his glory, of his grace, for the praise of his glory. He, he predetermined the whole plan of salvation. He carried out the plan of salvation through his son and is accomplishing it and applying it through the Holy Spirit over here for ultimately for the praise of his glory. So what do we learn today? The gospel always starts with the bad news. Unless we know that we are cursed, unless we know that we are full of iniquity and we need to die, we can never appreciate the love the Father laid on us and the sacrifice, the value of the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ paid on, upon the cross. We, we should be cursed and we should get the full punishment, but that whole punishment was laid on Lord Jesus Christ. We can ask ourselves that are we bewitched like these people of Galatia, that, like this church of Galatia, these believers of Galatia, and trying to add works to faith for salvation? Are we bewitched? Are we lost? Unless I know how cursed I am, I would never be able to understand the immensity of the love of Christ for me. Are, am I living for the glory of God? Are we living for the glory of God ultimately? The whole plan of salvation was for the praise of the glory of His grace, for the praise of His glory. Am I living for His glory? And the last thing that we can ask ourselves is, am I cursed or am I blessed? 1 Corinthians 16.22 says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Have I understood the love of Lord Jesus Christ? Have I understood how cursed I am? Have I understood how much love he, how much love he bestowed upon me? Have I understood all of that? Lord Jesus says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So after having faith upon him, am I following him completely? Am I bearing fruit? Am I glorifying God? Am I living my life, a life of faith? My everyday life, is it based on faith? We can ask all of this, am I cursed or am I blessed? So may the Lord bless these few words and help us all to examine and test ourselves. That am I cursed or am I blessed? Unless we acknowledge that how much cursed I am, that I could never be saved, I could never be rescued and I need a savior, I could never be able to understand the immensity of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. Let us close with a short word of prayer. Father, dear God, thank you for this plan of salvation that you planned before the foundations of the world. And you chose me and you chose all of us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that we are saved by the faith upon Lord Jesus Christ and you don't see our own filthy deeds, but you see the righteous deeds of Lord Jesus Christ in us and that's 
how we are accepted. I thank you and praise you, Lord, Lord, help us to show that in our daily walk by living with faith. And I submit this few words in your hands. Help us to multiply it through your spirit and lead us through your spirit. I submit each and every one and this word especially in your hands. I ask this prayer in the name of my Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.